with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. On today's show, manufacturing surge, China's manufacturing sector experiences a significant boost with the Caixin manufacturing PMI hitting a four-month high in December. And we will also take a look at the first homemade cruise ship in China makes its maiden voyage. And now let's begin with our top story. China's factory activity expanded at a quicker pace in December due to stronger gains in output and new orders. The Caixin manufacturing PMI rose to 50.8 in December, and the Caixin services PMI was 52.9. And meanwhile, China's official PMI, which includes both manufacturing and non-manufacturing activities, came in at 50.3. In December, so how is Caixin manufacturing PMI different from the official PMI? What does it indicate about China's manufacturing sector, and what's the current situation of China's economy? For more on this, join us on the line now are Qu Qiang, research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University, Yan Liang, professor of economics, Willamette University, and also Andy Mark, senior research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. So. So, Professor Chu, I will start with you. Now we have both the official PMI and Caixin PMI. And Caixin manufacturing PMI came in at fifty point eight in December. So, what insights can we draw from this latest data? Is this in line with your expectation? I think it's uh, uh, very important for our audience to know that、uh, Caixin's PMI and the Statistics Bureau、uh, PMI are, are a little bit different because Statistics Bureau. They pay attention to what we call scaled、uh, enterprises or big manufacturers.、Uh, so they're measuring、uh, how the big、uh, companies are performing. But the Caixin, they paid attention to the SMEs, you know, small, medium-sized, and the retail and wholesale businesses. So more like they are in a frontier,、uh, you know, get very close to you know the sentiment change in the whole、uh, national economy. So Caixin's number is actually showing that、uh, you know. Our the very end of our you know economy, the very frontier of our economy is getting warmer and warmer.、Uh, this is not only、uh, within my expectation, but also it's very much in line with my investigation because you know I really you know pay attention to what's happening in the real field. So I paid lots of visit recently to、uh, some shopping malls, wholesale market, and retail markets, and I you know ask a lot of shopkeepers.、Uh, most of the feedbacks are yes, it's getting definitely warmer.、Uh, Families are swooping in to purchase things for the holidays.、Uh, many of the small shopkeepers, restaurants, ho- hotels, they came in to buy the things to you know to get things better to you know、uh, to replace the old you know furnitures and etc. So from this, I think you read a really good sign that Chinese economy is gradually and steadily back online.、Mm. So I think Caixin's PMI really can tell us is in 2024, Chinese economy is back steadily and firmly. Mm. And when we talk about manufacturing in China, Professor Chu, a lot of focus now is on structural adjustment. So, how do this contribute to the high quality development in the manufacturing industry? Well, you see,、uh, the Caixin's number、uh, plus the Statistics Bureau's number together will show you a very big picture, and probably that represents the future trend of Chinese economic shift. 
Uh, one, I think uh, the uh, small and medium-sized economy and businesses surrounding people's life is definitely going to you know, develop further in the future. And second, I think, is the big giants with heavy technologies. So for example, blue economy, green economy, digital infrastructure, solar panels, EV. These are definitely very important dy dynamic for the future Chinese economy development. But I think um, the third one, the third part, which is the uh, uh, property market related industry, um, you know, like in the construction businesses, is still waiting to you know, be reversed with the curve. And uh, in the future, I think China uh, probably uh, will just uh, stable that kind of expectation in this property market, but focus more on the high tech and the new what we call new productivities. And new productivity is very, very important because um, we need uh, this uh, uh, upgrade in our economy to seize the commanding height in the world supply chain. So by several top industry, top industrial sector or top uh, companies, we can support the major you know, weight of our economy and support the living standard of our people. So this is going to be our trend and the future happening in the next one or five years. Mm, so, Ian, actually, how do you think this adjustment can enhance the quality and efficiency of the manufacturing development? So I think uh, Professor Xu just mentioned, uh, you know, all these industrial upgrading um, that with all these different technological developments, this is going to really restructure China's manufacturing sector and broader to the broader economy as well. Um, so he mentioned a few really the leading uh, technologies and also industries. Um, so, for example, advanced manufacturing and you know, AI and EV and new energies. And I think all of this are very important. On the one hand, you know, from the demand side, um, these would require more investments and higher quality investment going forward um, to propel these industries forward. And they will also create more consumer demands um, because of the new innovative products that are going to be on the market. And more importantly, um, these industries development would also create high paid jobs, skilled work, and that would help to boost income and also consumption. And from the supply side, I think, you know, not only these technologies will lead uh, productivity growth, but also um, once they are applied and integrated into broader industries and the economy, they will really help to drive the so-called total factor productivity growth. And so I think from the supply side, this is also very important um, because, you know, China can no longer rely on the extensive growth, right, by putting more resources um, into the production. But what it needs to do is to have productivity driven innovation led growth. Um, so I think that's why it's important, you know, when we looked at advanced manufacturing and how the implications are um, for the broader economy. Mm. So, Andy, actually, Professor, you mentioned the new productive forces. So what does it mean and what are the differences between that and the traditional productivity? Well, that's a great question, Jiaoyang. Um, and before I answer that, I want to uh, add a little bit to the previous discussion. Um, as Professor Chi and Yen shared with us, um, you know, I think that uh, the overall economic outlook for China is largely positive. But for me, what was an especially positive note and even a little bit of a surprising one is that the Tyson PMI uh, also shed some light on export trends, not just uh, a reading of, of the private sector in China. And you know, this was a little bit surprising because you know, there's been a lot of pessimism about globalization in general, 
and in particular global trade. So I think uh, this is positive. And I think how does this then relate to this notion uh, of you know what you just mentioned, uh, these new productive forces? And I think that one way we can understand this is uh, a focus and a prioritization of new technologies. Uh, and I use this framework of ADC, right? Atoms, bits, and cells. So uh, everything from manufacturing energy, uh, space exploration uh, for atoms, so things that we can touch, uh, bits or the digital world, especially, I think, developments in artificial intelligence, and C cells, meaning life science, so everything from pharmaceuticals, uh, gene editing, uh, improvements in agriculture, uh, through botany, uh, zoology, improvement in, in animals. Um, and I think that this is something that uh, really is just a continuation of what we've seen since the beginning of uh, reform and opening in 1978, when Deng Xiaoping emphasized the four modernizations of which science and technology is one. So, um, again, I think this is very important. And as Yen mentioned, uh, increasing productivity uh, is very important for China, not just because of demographic changes, advances in society where labor is becoming uh, more expensive, but also for environmental sustainability uh, reasons as well. So clearly, uh, you know, I think the signal from the government is unmistakable that uh, this is very important. And you know, I think we are going to see a lot more attention paid and a lot more breakthroughs in this area. Mm -hmm. And so, Professor Chu, we also want to talk about China's consumption. So what do you think are some of the characteristics and highlights do you witness of this year's holiday consumption in China? Yes, I think from uh, 2003, I think there are very clear trends um, about Chinese consumption change. Uh, you know, previously, people are very keen to, you know, what we call the uh, big uh, consumption or luxury consumption. Um, people like to buy you know, brand products, um, you know, uh, luxury decorations and also houses and big cars. But recently, I think people are more intended to buy what we call, you know, healthy product and also um, good deal product. What does that even mean? Uh, one is, you know, after three years of pandemic and also you see uh, currently all over the world, there are like flus and et cetera, all kinds of the disease. People really want to keep healthy. People pay attention to their lifestyle. So, you know, getting close to the nature, um, tourism, people want to experience, you know, uh, to get healthier with their physical condition, to, you know, purify or upgrade their spiritual status. So you see the tourism business in China has really been booming. Uh, this New Year Eve, we've been welcomed more than three times of foot traffic to celebrate the New Year's Eve and more than five times of international tourist, tourists going out of China. Just to remember, this is already based on the crazy number of last New Year's Eve. So this growth is a phenomenon. And many, many people are getting to the ski yard, getting to uh, the natural resort, and also get reunited with their family. So this is a trend. And also many people are trying to you know, learn about traditional Chinese medicine, Chinese therapy. This becomes very hot, not among the old people, but among the young people. You know, you, you cannot imagine how popular my traditional Chinese therapy class was among the young students. You know, I never get so popular by teaching Chinese medicine. So, and also second thing I think it's about the good deals, performance to price ratio. 
It's really, really something people, you know, paid attention to. Um, for example, uh, like in Japan, when they shifted gears in our economy, Uniqlo popped out. And when Europe shifted gears in economy, Zara popped up. Everybody know they are, you know, what we call good deal products. You know, good to look, good quality, but also the price is very reasonable. And in China in the past one or two years, similar trend also happens. For example, like the Miniso, uh, like Xiaomi, and also like the BYD EV, they become very, very popular among people. People love to go green. People love to have lower consumption. The oil gozzlers are not an option anymore. And also in uh, in China, we see the traditional culture become very hot. You know, in this New Year's Eve, God knows how many people are dressing up with the traditional Chinese hanfu, you know, people fervently chase um, the museum, uh, you know, all the antiques and also uh, the traditional music. So all the things are coming back. You know, we, call, we say history is a psycho and this is a new cycle coming in. Mm -hmm. So I think for all the businesses, uh, they really need to pay attention to the change and, you know, to have some other planning for their future operation. Mm, so, yeah, so in the new year, what do you think are some of the expectations and opportunities for the development of the consumption market? Right, so I agree that we have seen consumption preferences and patterns have been changing, uh, but at the same time, I think there's also somewhat uh, concern about on the scale um, and also the growth rate. Uh, we wanna see even more consumption growth. Um, you know, to stay off the sort of deflationary pressure uh, in China. So, you know, it's no doubt that consumption has grown very uh, rapidly. And, you know, when we looked at the first half of this year's number, uh, consumption actually grew more than GDP. Uh, consumption grew at more than 8% and GDP was growing at 5.5% for the first half of the year. So I think, you know, um, there are, there are really grave concerns about consumption is not strong enough in China, but I think that is a exaggeration. But at the same time, I do think that um, there will be, there should be um, more room for consumption to grow. So for consumption demand to grow, I think for one, we need to make sure that, you know, people have the jobs, the income to support the sustainable uh, consumption. So we would need to continue to, you know, provide support to private enterprises to create jobs, we could also provide more public sector jobs and you know some some forms of job guarantees and training programs for the young people um, to you know facilitate job and income growth. And for two, I think we would also need to help to lower you know the precautionary savings by some households. So some households do have the money to spend, but they may be cautious. Um, maybe they were holding the money, um, you know, to enter the real estate market, you know, when they feel the price is good enough for them. Mm. But in any case, um, I think we could still increase some sort of social spending, public services to provide, you know, better health care, um, to provide more, you know, public services. So then people will be confident um, to spend. And that's, I think, also what President Xi has emphasized that, you know, um, just by giving people income subsidies or consumption coupons may not go very far. What we need to do is to make sure people have the money to spend, have the confidence to spend, and also have the willingness to spend um, to have, you know, all these wonderful service products like what Professor Chi emphasized, like tourism, some of the cultural uh, events and, um, you know, many of the service sector uh, uh, products that I think people would like to consume. So I think in the new year, again, we need to do all those three things, uh, ensure the income, jobs, and ensure the confidence and ensure the right type of products, um, especially, you know, now that we have 
talked about the gray hair uh, economy, right? People are getting older, and so they require different kinds of uh, products and experiences, and we need to make sure that we supply those.、Mm. And Professor Chu, Chinese President Xi Jinping, in his New Year message, said, "Well, the Chinese economy has sustained the momentum of recovery. Steady progress has been made in pursuing the high quality development." So, what do you make of that, and how resilient is China's economy this year? China is the largest, you know,、uh, market in the whole world. I mean, effective market in the whole world. We have more than three hundred million、uh, middle-income class, and keep on growing.、Um, probably after five years, we're going to see more than five hundred million middle-income class in China, and those people are not just、uh, laying in there waiting to consume, and they're also producers. China is the largest manufacturing. Uh, you know, force in the whole world. We are the stabilizer and the facilitator of the world supply chain. Just take a look at the、uh, current inflation happened、uh, in the past two years. The reason why the inflation can drop so fast, I think, China's you know productivity back online is one of the major reason to achieve that. Right? China bring down. Uh, you know the、uh, cost of the products. China made sure that choke point in supply chain be recovered and goes without China. You will see、uh, the whole world, you know, supply chain will be in a chaotic situation. And also, I think,、uh, secondly, according to、uh, President Xi's comments, I think another strength we have is China's keep on shifting gears. The new productivities that、uh, we just mentioned is very important. Because、uh, you know, in the future, a nation, well, like what we have already seen, the growth pattern, like in America, like、uh, in Japan, South Korea, Germany,、uh, France, you know, a nation will always try to shift up the gears.、Uh, you start from the labor-intensive industry, and then you, you know, do some, you know, modern manufacturing, and then at the、uh, final phase, you will have the high tech and the new productivities. So this is the key for a nation to climb up the value chain and to keep on providing for the world customers and market. China is doing this,、uh, you know, in the past several years, and we have already seen achievement. For example, EV, solar panel, wind farms, digital infrastructures. So it shows that we have the strengths and willingness, you know, and efforts to do that.、Mm. And in the future, I think China is going to keep on providing good products for. Chinese people and the world consumers, and also China, because of its growth, we're going to provide back to the world a bigger market. So that's going to be the resilience and benefit of Chinese market. I think no one can afford to ignore that. Mm. Well, we are speaking with Xu Qiang, research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University, Yan Liang, professor of economics, Villemet University, and also Andy Mark, senior research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. And after a short break, we'll take a look at China's first homemade cruise ship makes its maiden voyage. Stay with us. Go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. 
China's first homemade cruise ship has made its maiden voyage. Adora Magic City sailed from Shanghai to destinations in South Korea and Japan this week. So I will start with Andy. So what do you make of China's first homemade,、uh, you know, cruise ship made its maiden voyage? What is the,、uh, you know, the cruise line experience like? And will there be more consumer demand in China for it? Yeah, Zhao Yang. So you know, from a personal perspective. Um, I'm very happy to see this. So,、um, going on a cruise is a lot of fun for people that have not、uh, had the opportunity to do so.、Um, you know, the ships for me personally were much bigger than I imagined, and、uh, it's really like a mini city with restaurants, of course,、um, swimming pools,、uh, like being in a hotel. Many people can, I think, immediately understand that.、Um, but they, some of them, even have. Classes.、Uh, it really is like being on a floating city. So, at a personal level, I'm happy to see this, and actually looking forward,、uh, hopefully sometime this year, to、uh, going on on this cruise. If if、uh, it's possible to still book、uh, a billet or a, you know a room on, on the ship,、mm. um, from a more analytical perspective, I think this is an important milestone. So, shipbuilding is incredibly capital intensive. It requires、uh, a high level of technological and engineering and project management expertise. So I think again, this represents a natural、uh, evolution in China's progression、uh, economically. And then, from a consumption perspective, you know, I think we are seeing、um, hundreds of millions of Chinese with rising levels of disposable income. Increasing sophistication, as well, and I would also say、uh, a desire for novelty. So,、mm-hmm. adding a cruise ship, a domestic cruise ship offering,、uh, is very exciting. Mm. And so, yeah, actually, this Adora Magic City sailed from Shanghai to destinations in, you know, South Korea and Japan cities. So, what does it mean for this area, and what does it mean for you know tourism and cruise line business? Right, so I think this is a great starting point、um, for China to play a more weighty role in this,、uh, you know, cruise line business. And you know, in 2019, before the pandemic,、um, there were about 2.4 million people in China went on a cruise, and so that is the second largest uh, country um, after the United States. But this is only about one seventh of the U.S.'s. Uh, you know, consumers who、um, take on cruise. So I think there is a huge market in China, and you know, the fact that this this new cruise line has over,、uh, you know, three hundred meters long, sixteen decks, and it could accommodate five thousand passengers at once. And it has a lot of features,、um, you know, for for Chinese consumers. It has, you know, mahjong lounge.、Um, it has theaters that play really sort of Chinese movies and and so on and so forth. So I think, you know,、um, I agree with Andy. So from the production and also the operation side, this is really a milestone. This is a great starting point.、Um, let's not forget, you know, this ship takes about twenty five million of different. Components、um, from a, 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 more than a hundred suppliers all around the world. So this is really monumental in terms of you know the capabilities and capacity 
um, for China to be able to uh, build this mega project. Mm. And then from the consumption point of view, um, I agree that, you know, with all these wonderful features that really cater for the preferences for Chinese consumers, and also, you know, with people's preferences for tourism, you know, to going abroad, um, I do see that there is a great demand um, for cruise line. And this one, you are right, it's only going to, you know, these two countries for now. But I think they are expend, they are uh, expected to expand. Um, they're going to go also to Southeast Asia, and in the future, they are going to join, you know, the, uh, you know, Marine Time Belt and Road Route. And so there's a lot more um, to come. And not to mention, they are building the second uh, same kind of mega project, uh, second cruise line. Um, so again, there will be, I think, greater. Uh, uh, more projects like this, more cruise ships like this, and more demand down the road. Mm. So, Professor Chu, so this is a milestone, actually, and the evidence that the country's shipbuilders can handle most of the challenges of a project. So, what does it say about China's shipbuilding capability? China is not a traditional, you know, ocean power, right? But, uh, you know, in very, very uh, good way, China just uh, rise up as one of the major shipbuilders in the whole world, uh, especially in the past 20 years. I think since China has mastered the uh, technology of the white dock shipbuilding, and then uh, everything take off uh, since then, uh, took off since then. Uh, for example, uh, China uh, mastered the technology of the tension-like offshore drilling platform for the oil, and China uh, get the technology of the LNG ship, uh, very, very large vessels for the LNG transportation, and also China built its own uh, aircraft carrier. There's very few of the country can do that. And also China has the technology to build the offshore wind farm. This is not a ship, but also it has a lot of shipbuilding technology. And uh, right now China has technology to build the uh, its own cruise, luxury cruise ship, very large ones. You know, for the smaller ones, many countries have the capability to build them, but for the uh, mega ships, luxury ones, um, China has the technology built it right now. Well, for building a vessel, this is not a challenge for China anymore, especially since we have 20 years technology accumulation. But you have to understand you're like moving a five-star or even six-star hotel onto a ship. It's like, uh, you know, Shangri-La, you moved on the hotel, you know, with five more than 5,000 people, you know, running safely, but also having a very, very stable and very comfy life on, on there. So it's a systematic project. So this are like moving a city, not only a hotel, but moving a city up on board. Mm. So if a country can build that kind of ship, it does not only mean have the technology of building a good ship, but also it means this country has mastered the technology of building all kinds of infrastructures. Mm. So this is actually phenomenal. Well, we're speaking with Xu Qiang, research fellow from Beijing Foreign Studies University, Yan Liang, professor of economics, Villamette University, and also Andy Mark, senior research fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.